The By the Hood podcast is sponsored by the Discover Your Options Bootcamp. Getting started with trading options may seem intimidating, but with Discover Your Options, you'll be up to speed faster than you could have ever imagined. No matter what your ultimate goal is, learn the basic skills and gain all the confidence needed to ultimately win in the exciting world of options. For more information, click the link under Discover Your Options in our show notes. And for 20% off, make sure to use the code BUYTHEHOOD, one word, for the 20% discount. The Buy the Hood podcast is brought to you by the book, Own Your Time and Space, written by Corey Camp and Jimmy the Blueprint Williams. All throughout history, you will see time and space as having significant importance, but never discussed as it will be in this book. You can learn the true importance of time and space and how having a better understanding of these concepts can lead to a better life. It deals with ownership of not only your time, but the space around you. You can get your copy at ownyourtimeandspace.com or you can go right to Amazon and look up Own Your Time and Space. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast slash webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. Um, and as we start off every episode, we want to start that off with thanks. Uh, thank you to all of our supporters. Thank you to the people that, um, you know, uh, support us in any way, whether that's buying the merch, buying a course, um, come out into the community when we're out in the community, when we're not, you know, um, bunkered down in our homes. Uh, but we want to say thank you to everyone because, um, again, this is about the people, not about us specifically. And we try to highlight brothers and sisters who are doing amazing work in the community. As always, I have my partner, Corey, with me. Corey, how are you today, sir? Man, I'm living, living large, man. Everything good with you? Yeah, everything's good, man. You know, trying to keep my sanity in these crazy times. But like I said, uh, we like to highlight brothers and sisters who are doing amazing work in the community. Um, and this sister we have on now is, is, is fantastic. She's doing all kinds of things. Let me read you her bio because her bio is amazing. She's a real estate investor, mentor, professional speaker, and philanthropist. That's right, a philanthropist as well. Um, her company, The Real Estate Reset, focuses primarily on rehabbing severely distressed properties and turning them into beautiful rentals, primarily in Philadelphia. She bought her first home at the age of 23 and has been investing in real estate for 13 years. And she's passionate about sharing her wealth building knowledge with women and aspiring real estate investors. And before beginning into real estate, she worked for NBC, CBS, and Fox for 10 years. Um, so I want to introduce our special guest, Atia Blair. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, man, amazing. Listen, uh, your, your resume is, is awesome. And the one thing I can vouch for is that how you give back so much. And that's one of the reasons that we wanted to have you on, um, because we follow your work. We see what you do on IG and everything, and you give a lot back, which is kind of like what we're based on. It's not just about what we can do personally, but giving back to others. And we see that uh, you practice that same thing. So first of all, before we start, um, I want to say thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. I, I believe that it's a blessing to, to give, you know, so uh, it blesses me when I'm able to help other people. It's really no better feeling. So absolutely. Thank you for that, and thank you for having me on. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So um, to get started, uh, give, um, we talked about you, you you're coming from media, but where, where are you originally from? Which city are you from? What school did you go to? Or which about your, give us a little bit about your background. Sure. So I was born and raised in D.C., uh, I'm actually first, my family's from Trinidad. I'm the first generation to be born in America. So um, even though I grew up in DC, my household was Trini. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Um, so it's, uh, I always say like, I don't like, 
just having a Caribbean background just, you know, changes your perspective in different ways. And that's a whole separate podcast. But, you know, I'm grateful for my heritage and my background, but I grew up in city, uh, in DC, excuse me, right on Capitol Hill, walking distance, you know, from like Union Station, the White House, all that good stuff. Um, but DC then was not what it is now. It was still the hood, steps away from the White House and Union Station. So yeah. um, I had that cultural experience. Um, so yeah, I grew up in DC. Um, I began to move around for work when I was working for um, CBS in Baltimore, I got an opportunity to work for NBC in Raleigh, North Carolina, moved down there. And then uh, this guy that I was dating and living in Philly, uh, he asked me to move to Philly. And uh, I eventually did end up working for NBC there. And he, that, that guy is now my husband of 11 years. Yeah, so that's what, so that was back in 2008 when I moved to Philly. So I, I, I consider myself a local now. I've been there for a good, good chunk of time for 12 years. Okay, okay. So going into media, right? Um, how did you make the transition from uh, someone who's, you know, working in media to getting into real estate? How'd that happen? So that's a really good question. So I really enjoyed what I did but there were certain things about television really is a lifestyle um and it's certainly not as glamorous as it seems on television it's a lot of long hours it's very demanding it's like you're never off and you really i was in local news i was a producer um for local news i did a little on-air work before i left uh nbc 10 was actually my last station in philly um but it wasn't something that I could see myself doing long-term. I didn't want my boss's job. You know, I've always been super ambitious and I'm always, you know, you give me a promotion today. I'm thinking about, you know, all right, that's cool. Good for me. What's next, you know? And I got to the point where I didn't want my boss's job. I didn't want my boss's boss's job. I didn't want my job anymore. <laughs> I was like, okay, we got to do something because it's important to me to keep making progress. And I actually come from a long line of entrepreneurs. My father was a general contractor since the day that I was born. Um, so obviously when I was running around his jobs as a kid, I was picking up a lot more than I realized at the time. And um, my mom did work for the federal government, but she always had her side hustle. So I watched her do that. And then both my grandparents, my father's parents and my mother's parents were both entrepreneurs. So okay. kind of, it's certainly in my blood, 100%. It wasn't a matter of if I would leave my full-time job, it was when. And um, I just got to the point where, and I know listeners who work a nine to five and don't like their job, because I think that's the majority of people who work a nine to five. I got to the point where I was miserable. Like every day I would go to work, I'm feeling tense, like really stressed, pains, aches in my body, just like showing up. And I knew it was time to make a transition. And uh, I just, I took the leap. You know, I, I started to study. Um, my passion is actually speaking. I've been doing that since I was a little girl. I was born, okay. I was born for that. Um, that's one of my gifts. So, but then it's like, well, what am I going to speak about that people are going to pay me to, to talk about? So I began exploring. So I decided to move into coaching and consulting, went and got a coaching certification, started taking on clients. Um, here and there, and I wasn't really making much money, but I just 
decided to leave um that, that uh, you know enough was enough was enough that's interesting right because um and i'm pretty sure there are people that can have experience with this where you're in an organization and even if you do like your job at one point when you get to the point where you look at your boss and say, I don't want that job. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm pretty sure the people that get there, like, you know, cause you know, um, it, it is interesting. I remember reading in a, in business school, there was like a, it was a case study about like, a, I forgot what the name of the organization was, but it was a, um, a mechanic shop. And mm-hmm. they talk about how the guy who was like the top mechanic. And because of that, he got promoted to like being the manager of this, like, uh, you know, thing. And he hated it. Because yeah. his, pa- his passion was actually fixing the cars, mm-hmm. not managing people. And they were saying a lot of times in business that could happen where, you know, you put people in the wrong spot because the, the, the objective a lot of times is to get promoted. But what if that promotion isn't something that you want? You have to figure things out. So a lot of times we talk about lifestyle design. And um, what I mean by that is uh, if you do have a nine to five that you love, um, you know, congratulations. Yeah. But like you said, most people don't. Most people don't. And, and that's interesting that you were able to say, look, this is what I want to do. And you left and you said you weren't even making that much money when you left originally. So how did you go from coaching and what, what brought the real estate bug to you? What made you jump into the property game? So it was, you know, so it was five years I did the coaching and consulting. I didn't make much money the entire time. And there's so many lessons in that. Uh, I could take up our, <laughs> all of our <laughs> um, so we'll say that for next time. But um, so I was failing and I began to consider going back and getting a job. I mean, I was making nearly six figures. I was making like $96,000 a year. I was only 27 years old. That's really good money. I knew I can go back and just work there or at another station or in some communications job. But I knew that I'm basically unemployable at this point. I, ha- I have entrepreneurial blood all throughout my system. I really shouldn't <laughs> be working for anyone. And I knew that. And honestly, um, I was afraid of losing my freedom. Mm. That was the thing I was most afraid of because what actually made me say I'm leaving right now was I just gotten back from vacation. And my manager called me into the office and I had been forewarned by some coworkers, hey, schedules are changing, like be prepared. And I went in and they basically asked me to begin working the overnight shift and the weekend shift. So they wanted me to work Wednesday through Sunday, 10 p.m. to like 8 a.m. And I was a newlywed at that time. I'm living in Philly. All my family's in D.C. You know, I had just lost my dad. There's, I value family time so much. I was like, that's it. Like, what's the point in making a lot of money and I can't do the things that I love with the people that I love? Like, Man. forget the money. Forget that's it. A, that's a bar right there. Like, what's the point yeah. if you can't eat? Yeah, uh, it, and that's, that's crazy, right? Because, um, again, lifestyle design. You had to figure out what works for you. Um, and a lot of times, it's not even about the money. Because uh, um, being in real estate so long, you meet people from all walks of life. And the one thing I could tell you that is money doesn't bring happiness. Oh. And I know that sounds very cliche, but I know some wealthy people who are miserable. <laughs> so you had to figure out what works for you because you value that family time. Yes, very what, much so. What was your next step when they tried to bring you in and, um, you know, or make you work that shift? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I sat in the meeting. They call it, it was like six managers in there for little me, like y'all doing too, way too much, first of all. But, um, so I didn't give them a reaction in the meeting. I just said, okay, they said, you have questions? No. Okay. Okay. And that was it. I walked out, grabbed myself. I went to the car, called my husband and I was upset. 
And I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. And he was just like, baby, leave. I was like, what do you mean just leave? He's like, leave, I got you, just leave. That's dope. So, yeah. Having, having a, spouse, a supportive spouse on both sides. There's literally nothing like having a supportive spouse who believes in you, who supports you, who has your back. And he knows me. I met my husband when I was 18 years old. He knows me. He knows what I'm made of. And I think he knew that I was built for entrepreneurship and I would do just fine out on my own. Um, and he does pretty good himself. So we just lost my income and figured it out on the backside. You know what? I want you to speak to that a little bit because like you're maybe the fifth or sixth guest in a row yeah. that has brought up the importance of having a supportive spouse when you want to run a business. So in your, from your perspective, what does that do for your business and how does it help you to have someone who is supportive of you as your spouse? Look at her face. <laughs> She's like, yes. <laughs> We're going to make sure we send him this clip too. So say some good things. About Having a supportive spouse is everything as an entrepreneur. One, we're not getting a, a steady paycheck all the time. So it's nice to have something nice and steady and stable. And what that does for you mentally and emotionally and um, how that impacts your ability to be successful, you can have a better appetite for risk, one, because sometimes in entrepreneurship, you have to take some risks. And those of us who take those risks and win, we win big, typically. Uh, and that's certainly relevant in real estate. I'm sure you guys can relate to that. Mm -hmm. And then it frees you up not to be desperate. When you're a business owner and you're desperate, you're taking clients that you shouldn't take, um, you're spending time doing things you shouldn't um, do. You're not focused on revenue, gen the big revenue generating um, opportunities because you're moving afraid every day. So having that steady support at home, knowing that you're going to be okay regardless, knowing that the lights are going to be on regardless, you might have to switch from steaks to hot dogs, but still you're going to eat, you know, <laughs> um, knowing that you to have that support is everything. So marriage is not necessary for everybody, but if you are going to be married, I hear this all the time from my students who come into my class. Some folks are like, my spouse doesn't believe in me. They don't want me to do this. So if you're not married and you're thinking about getting married, make sure you marry somebody you can grow with. And they don't necessarily have to want to do what you do because my husband, he has his own thing. And he's like, baby, I can never take the risk that you do. He doesn't have the appetite, but he he's cool with me doing me and, you know, being the best version of myself. It really makes a big difference having that support. That's amazing. That's uh, Congratulations on that. That's amazing to hear. So. Yeah. How did you, your first deal or how did your first deal come about? Oh, well, getting, even getting back to that, what made, real, what made you go to real estate specifically? Okay. All right. So um, two things, maybe three. So one, I mentioned my dad was a general contractor since the day that I was born. So a lot of times you'll see women are very intimidated by the real estate space. It's male dominated. It's a male dominated industry. Um, so that was off the table for me from jump just being around my dad all the time. And I was, people wouldn't believe it because I'm certainly a girly girl now. I was a straight up tomboy growing up. I was a daddy's girl. I wanted to dress like him, act like him. So anyway, I just, I was never intimidated by being in a male dominated industry. That's one. Two, I was fascinated from real estate from a very young age. I wanted to become a homeowner. So I began reading books as a teenager, like what's PMI? What's a mortgage? How do you get that? You know, um, um, buying real estate for dummies. I had all these books. 
So when I was 23, I did end up purchasing my first property. I bought it in Raleigh, North Carolina. I was working for NBC News down there at that time. Um, so I bought my first property down there. So at the start of um, my television career, I was a landlord. I owned real estate because I only lived in that house for 11 months and then I rented it out. And it was actually new construction. So I got new construction experience, buying experience, landlord experience, you know, from jump. And I never considered being in real estate full time. But when, you know, I left my job, this other business wasn't going so well. I actually had a chunk of cash in my hand. You know, we're watching all these TVs on, you know, all these shows on HGTV. Yeah. I said, I love to flip a house. I have great design sense. I knew how to manage contractors. I had, you know, done lots of uh, projects. I purchased property. So I put all those skill sets together, did my first flip. It went really well. I made $25,000 from that first flip. My goal was to make 30. I made it 25. That was good. And that was really more money that I had made in such a short period of time than I had made in those five years in my other business. So I shut that business down immediately. <laughs> immediately. Like, no pause. No, like immediately. Hey, client, we're not doing this anymore. It's been real. <laughs> uh, like it was that good and I went on and that was at the start of the year I went on to do that three more times that year so I made a hundred thousand uh, dollars in that first year of flipping which was great but when it was time to pay those taxes I was like man yeah Uncle Sam gotta get his mm -hmm. At that point, I started thinking about, well, there has to be a better way. And there was buying and holding. And so I started to learn more about that. Even though I was already a landlord, I had purchased with an FHA loan, more traditional way. Uh, now I'm mostly using the birth strategy. Um, and we could talk about that mm -hmm. if we want to, but I'm using the birth strategy. And so, you know, not as much capital is needed up front and the whole process is different. And so I began to focus on that and building out a portfolio. Okay. Nice, nice, nice. So currently, uh, you're, that's your current strategy or you're just buying and holding. Are you doing any more flips at all or just buying hold now? So I was blessed to do my first six figure flip about a year and a half ago. And after that I became a flipping snob. So like, I'm not, I won't flip for 25 grand anymore. Oh, got you. <laughs> If oh, it's not, oh, how nice that has to be like man 25 grand <laughs> <laughs> you think about it you flip for 25 uncle sam takes his cut you really made like 18 or less you know yeah. with the yeah, strategy I use, i'm able to pull more capital than that um from the project with the cash yeah. flow, with the the you know cash out refi it just doesn't make sense to do it. So if I'm going to flip, it's going to be for a nice, like at least 80 grand. So um, I don't, I don't flip much. Okay. So now it's just buy and hold. So, mm -hmm. um, and, and I like to ask this of all buy and hold investors, because I think a lot of people have different answers. Is, is your ultimate goal uh, cash flow or is it a, a number of doors? And, and I'm going to tell you, give you a little context of why I asked that. Right. So um, I, I I was blessed at one point to have a lot of doors. Um, I had over 60 doors at one point and I wasn't really making that much money and I actually make more money now with less doors. Right. Sure. So, because it's a learning experience, right? So you, you talk about the mistakes we make. We talk, we could fill a whole show about mistakes I've made in real estate. Right. But one of the mistakes I made is just like, just leveraging ungodly. 
to the point where I had a bunch of doors, but I had debt on every single one of them. So just selling some of those down and doing a couple flips to pay down debt, I'm actually making more money with less doors. So I always ask the buy and hold investor, is your ultimate goal a specific number with cash flow or do you have like a door number in mind? Because everybody has a different perspective. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's really a question I ask myself all the time. For me, it's really about cash flow because the point is financial freedom, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I will get to the point where I'm like, okay, this is uh, enough doors. You just tighten up your portfolio. Like you said, sell some stuff, move some money around, do what makes sense. Um, and then I have other sources of revenue, you know, so that'll be over there working for me and I can mm -hmm. do the things that I love and that I'm passionate about, like speaking and, and philanthropy, you know. Mm -hmm. So for me, I want a certain amount of cash flow so I can live comfortably. I can retire my amazing husband for being so supportive. I can retire him super early and I can continue to, you know, freely give the way that I love to. So I have to keep at what I'm doing until I get to that point. Okay. I'm dope. Yeah, I'm getting That's there. nice. Nice. That's, nice. That's yeah, nice. Nice. So you talk a lot about uh, philanthropy and speaking. Is there any specific cause that you have in terms of philanthropy? Like what is your, your, your thing that you like to give to or give back to? So I have a soft spot for children for sure. So that's why, you know, when you talk uh, about the camp, yeah, I was like, well, I was actually a camp counselor um, for a few years. Okay. Um, so I, I genuinely love kids. So um, yeah, so I, I, we do have an orphanage in Africa that we visited and we just fell in love with the kids there. So we sponsor that orphanage. Oh, that's amazing. Um, we're sending like school supplies and clothes and shoes and money, you know, for them. And we talk to them, you know, on video chat, you know. Oh, that's we, amazing. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Um, it's Mama Fatuma. Mama Fatuma in Nairobi, Kenya is the, and they're a Pennsylvania based um, uh, 501C. Okay. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing um, work. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so, and then we have, we just kind of respond to need. So my husband's actually originally from the Bahamas and, you know, they had the major hurricane that wiped out, you know, totally wiped out some of the islands. He's from Nassau. Nassau was okay. Thank God. Cause all of his family's there, parents, okay. everybody's there. Um, so, you know, immediately we knew we had to do something and we were able to raise $40,000, um, to provide, you know, food and resources to folks down there. And, you know, folks really try to take advantage during a crisis. So I actually flew yeah. to Miami, worked, partnered with Costco, watched them load up that container. I sealed the container with my own hands. And then we flew to the Bahamas to receive the container. And then we went to the gymnasium where... Um, people were sleeping in cots and on sheets, you know, in the gymnasium that, that evacuated from Abaco into Nassau. So we went to the stadium because, you know, gov I'll just say it, government officials, they'll take that food and juice yeah. and take it to their house. You know, and it's funny, when we got there, they said, hey, um, you can drop the container off at the, the government office. Why are we dropping off a 40-foot container? <laughs> and then you guys got to figure out how to get it to the stadium. I said, no, we're going to the stadium to distribute this money, to distribute these uh, items, excuse me. Um, we paid for it. You know, we raised these donations. And they were like, well, we're just going to unload it in the storage. No, call, to, call all the people outside of the gymnasium. And we had other volunteers and we put the items in people's hands and people came to us crying. Thank you. They were like, we would have never got this stuff. Oh, that's amazing. So you guys are like literally boots on the ground too. Oh, man. 
That's right. If you go, if you're gonna raise forty thousand dollars worth of stuff, you got you want to make sure it get to where it goes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I just want. And then wanna... we had some big donors. We had people, you know, donating thousands of dollars, and I wanted to um, give them proof. I gave mm -hmm. like the receipt from Costco was like thirty grand. And then we spent like another five grand for the shipping, logistics, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we gave some cash on the ground. So I wanted to have video proof. So we video us handing out the stuff so people knew where their money was going. Because I feel like people want to give, but a lot of these are your organizations. You don't know where your money's going. So yeah. people know when we raise funds, we're on the ground making sure everything goes where it's supposed yeah. to. They hit you with those administrative fees right with yeah. <laughs> yeah well first of all um salute to you for that because that's an amazing story and um and i, I hope you can, yeah continue to do that work because that work is needed so yeah definitely that's amazing Thank that's you. amazing so you built your business up now you have a, um, a large portfolio and you're continuing to build that up until you can you know um like you said retire yourself and your husband um and, and let's talk a little bit about your speaking business now um Cause I see you get you do a lot. In fact, like you, you and um a close friend of ours, um Aisha, were supposed to have an event, but uh you know yeah. obviously things got a little crazy with the current climate. Um, I hope you guys are still going to do that once everything you know um you know gets back to normal, whatever normal is at that point. Um, right. You yeah, know what I mean? And I, uh, Aisha and I were talking this morning actually, and uh, but we have already rescheduled the event for October tenth. Um, so it's rescheduled, it's still on, and uh, we're actually going to be doing something in between just to help uh, ease people's fears, you know, yeah. around and just share some of our knowledge, because we were both investing during the last uh, financial crisis. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we want to just, you know, share some of our knowledge with folks to so look out. Absolutely. And now, now I got to get tickets, because cool, before, the, the date that you guys had before, I was actually supposed to be speaking in uh, Louisville, oh, but... Wow. But that got canceled too. So, so now I'm like, all right. So now I can actually go to you guys' event. I can't wait to see, um, because both you guys are phenomenal. Can't wait to see you guys speak. So, um, yeah. So I, I see you have a lot of the speaking going on. You give a lot. You give a lot back in terms of like coaching and teaching other people how to do real estate. So you were able to marry those two things: your love of teaching and coaching with, you know, your love of real estate. That's that's like a dream job for you. Sounds like. It really is a dream and I do have to pinch myself sometimes like is this really my life I'm super grateful and I, I have surpassed financially what I thought I would do in my entire life let alone I'm only 36 years old so I'm really grateful for that and to be doing something that I love I, I love speaking so much I can speak about anything I can speak about this coffee cup you know like whatever like, what you about? Were, were you were you always that way like when you were a little kid did you like just get up and speak for your family and all that like has that always been in you I did I was you know in church plays a lot I remember you know just being around the house my mom would always say you're gonna be on tv you're gonna be a reporter she always said I would be a reporter on tv uh, I was a little kid you know uh, what, like 10 years old we didn't most of us didn't have computers in the house but they started to pop up in school and so I subscribed to dictionary.com so I could start you know I just love words so I can use different words and you know, I remember running for, I always ran for, um, you know, student government president, elementary, middle school, high school, college, mostly just so I can talk in front of, <laughs> like, like I get to can, what? I get to campaign. I get to, I remember in middle school, I ran for student government president and I did win. I always won. And it's the auditorium with the whole school and they gave me the mic. And I remember I was like, no, thank you. And I spoke my voice carried across the entire auditorium. 
auditorium. I was, this is literally like, I was born with this. But that's a gift though, because most people are afraid to speak in public. Um, and in fact, I know that uh, Warren Buffett talks about in his book, how the greatest investment he made wasn't any company or anything like that. It was investing in a public speaking course. And he says that his net worth would probably be like, you know, um, less than half of what it is if he wasn't able to like communicate, you know, in terms of public speaking. So that's a gift to be born with the, you know, because most people are, are absolutely afraid to get in front of an audience and speak. Yeah. And I talk to business owners about this all the time. Hands down, number one, the best way and fastest way to grow your business is through speaking because you can have the most amazing product or service, but if nobody knows about it, it, it means nothing. Um, so getting out there and speaking, I don't care if you're an introvert. I don't care if you're afraid. I still get nervous sometimes, you know, depending on, you know, what the speaking opportunity is. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a powerful, powerful tool. Yeah, it's like, so it's, me and Jim talk about this all the time because of my, uh, my, my, my uh, aversion to, it's not, it's not an aversion to speaking or intro, introversion, it's more about privacy issues for me. So I, I, I'm not, I don't really want to be famous. I just want to be rich. You can keep all the fame. I just want the money, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, what, for people like me, what would, what would you suggest? So, um, you know, as you were talking, the first th idea that, or the first thing that popped in my head is you share what you want to share. You know, people, um, you know, I have a, okay, a good following on, on social media. And, um, you know, especially walking around Philly, I can't go anywhere without somebody knowing me, right? People see me online uh, and they feel like they know me, but really they just know what I want them to know, you know what I mean? I share with them what I want to share. On my page, I talk about real estate. I talk about traveling. And then I'll shout out my husband here and there. That's about it. You know, I'll tell you when my birthday is. But for example, right now I'm in Maryland and I, you know, I don't have a problem sharing this. Most people don't know. I live in Philly and I live right outside of D.C. I'm like 10 minutes outside of D.C. in Maryland. Um, so I live in two cities. People don't know that. People think I just live in Philly. I don't. I'm, we are married. We decided to be here in Maryland because we have more space since we're all stuck in the house. You know, we got a little more space to go out here. Um, but people don't know that about me because I don't share. You share what you want to share. That's interesting. That's a great, that's a great tip. You, you see folks like, look at folks like Gary Vee. He's he's a big deal, right? Yeah, you and don't know nothing about his family. Yeah. yeah, you don't know nothing about. Yeah, because I already knew where you was going with that. Like, yo, I don't even know what his kids or wife look like. Yeah, yeah. People literally, and I think this is not just something that I do. Everybody on social media who has a following, they literally share what they want to share. That's it. That's okay. so. Okay. If all you want to talk about, if you don't, if you are a private person, um, you know. Talk about the things you like to talk about, like which is talk which is stock. Talk about stocks and business. Yeah, there you go. Strictly business. Yeah. Okay. I got a question. Love that because people want the knowledge that you have. People want it. Absolutely. That's and it. people want it from someone who looks like you. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Someone who sounds like you. Because one thing I find that uh, one reason that I find uh, certain people are attracted to me or come to me to learn. Okay. We attract who we are, right? So I attract a lot of. African-American women and they come to me and say, Atia, I'm learning this. I've wanted to learn, but I never did because I never saw anybody who looked like me, sounded like me, you know, um, doing it. And so just because of who I am, so just because of who you are, 
you're going to help so many people by just being who you are. Man, that's, that's a that's a gem right there. That's a yeah, gem. It is. it is. Be be your authentic self, and you know. I mean, I'm 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 my authentic self. I just like I just you know. I, but no, I understand. I understand. But she she gave me. When, when she said people walk up to her in public, like that would drive me nuts. I would, I would, I would like I want karate chop people because I'm from a place where if somebody walk up to you in public, you can get killed. But so, but but but, so, <laughs> but but but. But again, if, if someone walks up to you in public, if you're sharing only certain things, they're going to talk about that. This year was the first year um, where I had someone actually walk up to me, um, and we were at an event. I was with my wife, we were in an event, and somebody walked up to me and was like, I know you from Instagram. Right. And that, to me, was like amazing, but also the scariest thing ever. Like, she looked at me like, what? I'm like, maybe <laughs> a video or something that was on there or whatever, but that was, that was the first time it happened was, uh, um, you know, beginning of this year, back, back when we used to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back a few, back a few weeks when outside was actually an option. Yeah, when outside was open. But anyway, so <laughs> but I, I get that. But uh, tell me, ask your question, right? So, um, you're fairly successful now, and you've, like you said, you've achieved more than you ever thought. What would you say has been your biggest hurdle, um, in, in coming from where you started, uh, you know, uh, growing up in DC, uh, getting in the media? What has been the biggest hurdle to get you to where you are now? I think the biggest hurdle. Hmm. So two things came to mind. One, making the decision to leave my nine to five because I could have easily stayed. I was making good money. I didn't hate it. I could have stayed. You know, I was miserable, but I didn't hate the job function itself. So yeah. I could have stayed. So that was the biggest hurdle, just getting my mind right to um, leave. And then the other thing was, I, I want to, trying to think about how to say this. So that business that I started that was failing, knowing when to quit. So this is the thing. A lot of folks have ideas about businesses that they want to do because they think it's a good idea. And it, it, you know, I'll have a lot of clients and I'll have this and people should this and people should respond this way. A lot of times you have to know when to quit. Like a lot of people say, don't quit, keep going. Sometimes you should quit. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> uh, it's real talk. So, you know, and, and you have to know, and sometimes you want to fail fast. You know, I feel like I could have shortened that five-year period. I could have failed a little faster. You want to fail fast and you want to fail forward. And it's really about, and it's not a true failure because I'll tell you this, while I was struggling in that business, I learned about doing business. I learned about booking speaking engagements getting clients you know doing sales if you're a business owner you better get comfortable with sales because you got to sell sell something to make money right um i learned about systems and running your business i learned about managing a team i learned about hosting events and even though i didn't do any of those at a high level in that business i was learning how to do it so and i invested a lot in coaching during that time so it's incredible because the money that I spent then and the things that I learned then, I make multiple six figures a year from stuff that I learned in my failing business. That's right. Because every loss isn't a loss. It's a lesson. So that, yeah. you kind of like just revamp what you were doing into like, because you're kind of still doing it, right? But it's just yeah. that, a different way. So I get what you were trying to say, but I also know why you didn't want to say it that way. Like you can't just tell somebody, like, yo, just stop. Like right. quitting your dreams. But I understand but I understand what you were trying to say. Like, um, sometimes you need to re go back and rethink what it is you're doing. Cause you're actually still doing the coaching and things, but you found a way to marry like, you know, your two passions. That and that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> that's good advice, though. That's actually good advice. So um, 
another question is, um, do you have any sort of book that you would recommend to someone who's starting out or something that's given you motivation like through this time? What, you can give me a couple books or whatever book comes to mind when I ask you that question. Um, so two books. One is No More Mondays. So I read that book a, a while back. And that was when I was thinking about leaving my nine to five. And it really helped me to open my mindset and realize like job security is not job security. You can be let go at any time. Um, they can take away certain benefits from you at any time, which I watched happen. Um, so that book really um, gave me the courage to, to leave and think about employment very differently, which everything happens here first before it happens in, in reality, before it happens in real life. Um, so anybody thinking about leaving their nine to five or thinking about investing in real estate, make sure you get it here first and everything else will just follow after that. So that's one book, No More Mondays, powerful book. And then the other book is my book that I'm writing right now. <laughs> um, I'm actually getting ready to release it. Uh, it's called How to Build a Million Dollar Real Estate Portfolio in One Year. Um, it is the written version of my workshop. Everybody's been asking for it. So it'll be a, a great tool for folks who maybe don't have a lot of money to invest. It'll be really uh, affordable uh, for folks to get it and get the knowledge they need to begin investing. Do you have an actual date for your release yet? Um, or are you, you still working on that or you have an actual date? Um, I don't have an actual date, but it'll... with. Because of the quarantine, I'm getting it done. <laughs> yeah, I figured that. Just make sure whatever you got it done, share it with us so we can share it with oh, the audience. And the other question I have about the book is, is it self-published or are you going through a, a bigger retailer? I'm going to self-publish. Entrepreneur, right? She's hustling. So you, <laughs> want, you might keep, keep that. I, I, she, might want to to, she, might, she might want to talk to Ash. Oh, yeah, Ash Cash. Ash, Ash Cash, yeah. I uh, I was hanging out with him in D.C. as a group of us that earned your leisure. They had an event in D.C. Yeah, yeah, and I met Ash Cash there. Cool guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. uh he's coming on our podcast too. Like, so we, we talked to him about um you know his his self publishing. But yeah, so that's awesome that you got the book coming out your own book. And no more Mondays. I'm gonna add that to. We have a recommended books list that we uh so as people come on and give us books, we built up this list that mm -hmm. we recommend to our audience. Um. And that's interesting because you're the first person to mention that book, uh, No More yeah. Monday. So that's I wanted to give you something different. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You, 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 rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, but then, you know, the funny thing about that is a lot of people, if, even if they mention something else, they mention Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That just shows you what kind of influence that book has had. Like, yeah, because that book, I mean, between it, yeah, that. It changed, it changed a lot of lives. Like, to be honest, like, the book itself isn't that great, but the, the ideas behind the you know, the, you can if you can visualize those ideas, you can move forward and do anything. Yeah, some of the some of the books we always get is uh the rich dad poor dad. Think and grow rich is up there too. Everybody mentions that one. Um, richest man in Babylon, uh, millionaire next door. A lot of these, a lot of the, like similar ones, but that's that's a good one because that's a new one. No more money. Okay, all right, I'm write that down. Yeah, be, yeah I'm, gonna have, that. I'm gonna actually have to grab that. Yeah, because I didn't. That's something I've never even read either. So I'm actually going to try to get that today myself. You know, I'm getting a lot of reading done uh <laughs> <laughs> these days. Quarantine so reading. Yeah, yeah. So last question I have for you is this: Um, what is the future for your business? Um, is it just more of the same, or do you like you just mentioned the book? Um, anything else that you look forward to doing uh, in the upcoming years? Yeah, so the economy is, you know, changing as we speak. So um, that will determine, you know, what I do. My goal is to 
Um, you know, I typically have an acquisition goal. So last year I picked up 19 units. Um, last year, my goal was to, you know, match or I really, my, I typically try to um, double what I did the previous year. However, with what's going on, it'll be really smart for me to reserve cash as much as possible. So when the market does fall, I can buy really cheaply. Um, so I have to, so I always tell business owners, mental agility is, you know, is key. So yeah, you had your goal, but times have changed on us very, very quickly. So I have to be agile and adjust. So I'm doing that. So that's the short term. Um, the long term goal um, and what I'll continue, I'll always continue to speak. I'll continue to do my classes and workshops. You know, my workshop is also called How to Build a Million Dollar Real Estate Portfolio in One Year. I have people still reaching out to me. They're ready to buy. And folks are asking, is it still a good time to buy? Absolutely. You just have to. It's all about the numbers. And, and you know this, Jimmy, because mm -hmm. you could buy bad, you could buy good. You know, and if you buy good, it'll be three times as better as buying something bad just to say that you bought something. Yeah. You know? Um, and, so and, I teach folks to help them, you know, avoid those kinds of mistakes. And I know I said last question, but um, I just had to ask this. Uh, with as many units as you've acquired over the years, do you, do you have a property manager or do you self-manage? So, so I just went to a property manager. Um, it's been a little over a year now. Um, finding good support is really difficult, and I'm not thrilled about how that's gone. So I actually hired a full-time assistant recently. It's been uh, three months, and so I'm bringing property management back in-house. Okay. Uh, we're between uh, my assistant and I, we're going to manage everything in-house. I have the systems. I have the team to be able to do it. So I'm bringing it back in-house. You know, it's, it saves money, you know, that percentage mm -hmm. that I'm paying the property manager, and I can keep my eyes and hands, you know, on top of everything. And again, you're also helping someone else out. You're, you're creating a job, which is amazing, yeah. too which is yeah. amazing too. Um, and the last thing I just want to say, you mentioned something that's like really interesting to me because it's something that I struggle with, which is um, like I told you uh, about my just personal uh, testimony in terms of uh, getting out of a bunch of units to get just to my, my best deals to try to increase cash flow. Mm -hmm. But, and, I, and as someone who invests in real estate as well as the stock market, just putting cash to the side to try to, uh, you know, um, make the right move at the right time. It's like so difficult for me because you're always looking at things like, oh, look at this deal. Look at this deal. But you know that, you know, when things are coming, that you should stockpile cash. Mm -hmm. But it's hard when you get into like full investor mode to stockpile cash because you always want to be putting it to work. Um, so I think that's amazing advice, too. That's a gem that you dropped uh, at the very end. I don't even know you realize that, but putting, <laughs> putting cash away to make a move at the right time. That's like that could be difficult for someone who wants to invest. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I, I need my money running full speed all the time. But now, with her just saying that, it did it, it dropped. Like, oh, let me let me slow down and put a couple dollars over here. Yeah, so, yeah. So when, it, when things go terrible, you know, I, I was reading something this morning that said, you know, stockpiling cash for you know is preparation for people who didn't, you know, basically you can buy up, you know, property from people who didn't prepare which is yeah. terrible. It sounds terrible, but that's going to be the reality of what's going to happen. It's always a transfer of wealth, right? So if you ever look at um, in Berkshire Hathaway, and I, I'm going to keep bringing up Warren Buffett, but I like study some of the stuff that he does. Mm -hmm. And you look at their holdings, like they have one third of it in cash. Um, mm -hmm. Because over this last bull market, when everybody was buying, he stockpiling cash. Because then when things like this happen, 
you buy things for pennies on a dollar, whether we're talking about companies or real estate, same, you know, yeah. same thing applies. So that's yeah, an amazing gem. King. Cash is king. Cash yeah, is always cash gonna be king. king. And um, yeah, just the, the opportunity that's going to be there. So I'm, I'm one of those people who I don't like just when I have large chunks of cash sitting in the bank, I hate it. You know, exactly. Want, but that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah it's I difficult. Know how you feel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want my, my money working for me, but me buying a deal for, you know, let's say the building that I want to buy now for a hundred thousand dollars, I might be able to get it for 50 or 60 if I just hold tight real quick. You know, there's actually a deal that uh, I was jumping in on for some prime real estate in Baltimore. Um, we were getting ready to sign documents and then all this stuff started to happen in the market. And I really want that deal. I feel like it's an amazing deal, but I, um, it was an $800,000 acquisition and the renovation was you know, over a million dollars. Um, it's for 26 uh, units right off the harbor. Wow. Um, yeah, and it was a group of four of us. Um, but we should be able to get that a lot cheaper if we just hold tight real quick. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's one of the exciting things about real estate. You can never, you never quite know when the deal's going to come, what deal you're going to get, um, what the numbers are going to be. Um, so that's one of the exciting things about, you can see that as exciting. Some people might have anxiety about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It is. But there's always, there's enough out here for all of us. There's always going to be more real estate to buy. So we shouldn't be afraid to just like, I'm not buying anything right now. I have a lot of units sitting. I have uh, four rehabs that I'm actively doing now and, you know, two other buildings sitting. So I'm getting through my inventory while banks are still, you know, letting us do what we need to do. Yeah. And then I'm just stockpiling the cash. So when things drop, you know, I can buy cheap. Take action. Yeah. So that's an amazing gem you dropped at the very end. Listen, um, I just want to say continued success. Court, before we get out of here, do you have any more things that you want to say? No, she was amazing. Like, I, like the philanthropy piece was the thing that I took away from it. Like, because like the boots on the ground for philanthropy that, you know, that's how I am. Like, I like yeah. to touch people and I like to get out and, and, and make sure things get done. So, you know, that, that was attractive, you know what I mean? Absolutely. As far as, as the things that she said, you know what I mean? We talk a lot about money and stuff, but that boots on the ground philanthropy was, you know what I mean? That, that's a move. Absolutely. I just want to say continue success. Yeah. Continue success to you and, um, and keep doing everything you're doing and keep sharing your story and your testimony because you're going to encourage and empower a lot of people to take action um, and like he just said, uh, that that's also impressive because like, like he said, we like to talk about money, but our, our objective is to help people and to hear like, you know, you able to take your talents, create your wealth, but also then to give back to other people. That's an amazing story. So uh, congratulations. And also um, say uh, just thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been great hanging out with you guys and talking to you guys. And uh, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And uh, we will uh, definitely be there in October when you guys, um, you know, have that, uh, have your yeah, event. Um, we'll be in the house. Yeah, absolutely. So um, to yeah. the people out there um, who are watching this, make sure you share this story because this is amazing. Um, this is an amazing woman. And like I said, we like to highlight people that look like us that are doing amazing things. So as we always say, it's not about how much money you make, it's about how much you keep. Game elevates and we'll check y'all on the next episode. Peace.